Well, men, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to episode 51 of the Nobleman podcast. Uh, this season, we're doing a theme of how do we reach men? And boy, have I got a fun guest for you today. Uh, Dr. Robert Lewis is on the line with me. I'm so excited to have him. Um, I first saw Robert and got exposed to men's fraternity at the NCMM conference in 2004 in Washington, D.C. Um, that's when I first heard of men's fraternity and came back to Virginia after that and started doing men's fraternity and just had a great time. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome to you. And I'm just going to tell you, what's it like to be Robert Lewis to have experienced so much impact through your teaching? Well, I would say it feels humbling uh, because I have I have enjoyed a rich seasonal life almost the last 30 years working with men and and being able to have a front row seat and seeing men come alive in Jesus and understand who they are as men and when that happens when a man's masculinity comes alive along with his spirituality he becomes a difference maker so I've got I've gotten a front row seat see thousands of men go through that transformation experience and stand up as a man and as a Christian. And, and But that started in you having to figure some of that out for yourself, didn't it? I mean, you you didn't have the background that just you came into this whole thing knowing what to do, what to say, or how to answer the questions. This really was uh, men's fraternity, which many of the guys listening to this have been exposed to your teaching, either through men's fraternity or 33. So this came out of your own study and part of your own journey, correct? Uh, I was theologically educated way above my A grade. And uh, when, when I helped start a church here in Little Rock, uh, I had all the tools exegetically to preach and teach and do Bible studies, but I didn't have a clue about masculinity. Yeah. In fact, growing up with a dad that was fairly absent uh, with uh, just his own issues and alcoholism and all that, I just had a pretty pretty huge void in my heart about what real masculinity looks like. So, um, I mean, I could preach, but but I couldn't deal with male very well. And so when the church started, uh, some of the men who were my friends said, hey, why don't we do a study on men? And I was as interested as they were. So gave looking at it and things like that, and, and I realized the more that I looked into it, the more questions actually Mike I had. And uh, uh, there were a few resources back in the late 80s that could help you get started, but not a lot. Promise Keepers was kind of getting speed on the ground. So there was there were things that could motivate you along. But what I would say is that opening journey where I was more of a pioneer and an explorer was was rich for me, because I started making discoveries about my masculinity that helped me. And then as I did that, uh, with the group I was meeting with, I started giving that away. And obviously, God blessed it because it began to grow. It started with 30 guys. And within 10 years, there were over a 1000 guys. So there were some great things happening. But I was just incredibly blessed in figuring out my masculinity more than anything else. I'm so thankful that God put me on that journey. But it's also led and bled over into other men's lives. And here I am at 71, looking back, going, thank you, Lord. Yeah. 
And and notably in your son's lives, I mean, you, because of this research, man, you were able to invest in your own son strategically and through that teach other men like me how to invest in my sons. So huge. That was one of the first things that I did is I began to understand it. I began to get some ideas. Well, I could, I could actually share this with my sons. I mean, when I came up with a biblical definition of manhood, I was so excited because I go, I can give this to my boys. Yeah. And we can talk about it. And by the way, we, did that. Uh, we, we, we actually got with some other dads and, as you know, created some cere- manhood ceremonies. Nobody was doing any of that kind of rite of passage stuff. And that led to the book Raising Modern Day Night. But all of that just benefited my boys. Here they are. They've grown up. They're successful. They're married. They've got kids. And this last uh, fall, we were doing manhood studies together. Each individually, I was with them, with their friends, going through what it meant to be a better man. It's been a huge blessing to me, for sure. Well, listen, so I, many of our guys, as I said, have been exposed to men's fraternity, what they call now men's fraternity classic. And then uh, 33, tell us about the articulation with men's fraternity in 33. I know you weren't as involved in 33, but that was really a repackaging of some of your teaching for the most part, just updated in the way it was delivered. So talk about that a little bit so our guys can hear from you that context. Well, after after men's fraternity was finished, we went a number of years, and then one of the guys on our staff, a fellowship associate, said, why don't we, why don't we do a shortened version of men's fraternity, kind of more piecemeal of over six weeks and repackage it. And at the time I was involved in some other things. And I said, well, if you can get some guys that uh, you can work with to do that, I'll bless it and you can film it. And so um, he's aggressive enough to get after it. And he started doing that. He called the first series 33. He borrowed just information out of men's fraternity, but it was, it was repackaged uh, both both in the order and with the personalities. It gave it a fresh touch. And 33 has done really well. And so you know, six series of 33 in six-week bites. And uh, when we got to the first part of the uh, 21st century, 33 had kind of uh, – it had been finished and it was out there and those kind of things. And I had guys asking me, why don't you get back in the game? Yeah. And, millennials and i kind of resisted that at first but i I finally went okay let's try it so we basically what we did is we basically just did an outreach here in the world i wasn't planning on doing any more curriculum but we had cutouts of guys young men but the difference in 34 men's fraternity for better man is we built it not around coming and listening to a speaker we built it around being invited by some older, more experienced men inviting younger men to go on this journey with them so that there could be mentoring going along with the information. And that just hit a huge home run and then led to guys getting excited about it. And uh, the next thing I knew, we had created a curriculum, a website, an organization called Better Man. And uh, 
we're rolling around the country right now. Yeah, so this is this is the um, kind of the third iteration of some of that teaching that you worked on years ago, and it's called Better Man. So let's let's get into that. What's the the men's fraternity concept and and thirty three kind of centered on the teaching, but Better Man has a different focus. And so what would you just go into that a little bit more deeply about what we're experiencing with Better Man for the folks who are doing that? Well, Better Man done right. And we have all the training on our website. You don't, you can just get everything there. It's fairly simple. But what Better Man does, it emphasizes, which I think fits the 21st century, it emphasizes relationships over information. That, that, it has information. It's got good teaching. But the, the thing that makes better man better man is you've got older men being encouraged to reach out to younger men, form relationships, and then go on an 11-week journey together that hopefully will will not only build a lot of, of, of relational depth between those generations, but when it's over, the older men hopefully will be energized to even continue to do more of these kind of groups. But also the younger men might want these older men to uh, join with them and do other studies. But but the accent is on relationship, storytelling, uh, problem solving, and that kind of thing from a relational emphasis. So that's what I think separates better men. It's also in some ways shorter. It's not, uh, it's not a bunch of series. It is a foundational um, um, exploration of biblical manhood over 11 weeks. That's it. So it's kind of an on-ramp for young men uh, that helps them understand what masculinity is because today's young men, as we've learned through the Barna research, really are clueless in that regard. So it gives them an on-ramp, a foundation and then at the end, it exposes them at the end of the 11 weeks to all kinds of great resources around the country that we didn't produce, but we promote. And so it becomes then at the end of that on-ramp experience, it becomes a launching pad where you can find resources to uh, build up your manhood for a lifetime. And we right. keep adding resources to our site. So Better Man is where where. Men's fraternity and 33 were more of an inreach. Guys getting together at the church to gather in groups and listen to a speaker and then talk about what they said. Better Man is an outreach. It starts reaching out in the community. It wants Christians and non-Christians to join together around a, a, an incredibly attractive subject that guys all have, and that is, what does it mean to be a man? That's yep. where it starts. It doesn't give a lot of biblical information on the front end. It does more exploration of the individual men in relationship around tables and then even outside the meetings. And as that gets as that get gets established, then it begins to introduce what the Bible says about manhood, and then goes on and defines it and explains it. So it becomes a great outreach. And what we discovered here in Little Rock when we field tested it is most ministries don't have an outreach tool that non-Christians would want to come to as well as Christians. Better Man provides that outreach to So we, we've joined with other organizations, and they've taken Better Man to use to buttress uh, their men's ministry using Better Man as an outreach to then bring them into what they do. 
So, you know, I want to hit on a couple of things there. My next podcast guest already scheduled is Claire Hoover with the National Coalition of Ministries to Men, which I'm a part of, you're a part of. And so um, one of the big ideas here is building the foundation of biblical manhood. And then there are lots of other resource providers, other guys who are laboring in this field, producing resources and assets to help us do marriage well or to um, battle pornography, to live a pure life, to do well in retirement, to live a second half. There are guys who are dealing with all those things, but if we don't have the foundation understanding of what biblical manhood is, then it's hard to to get to those things in a helpful way. So you're building that foundation and then others get built or other assets add to that. Exactly right. Well, let me let me keep emphasizing for our listeners this. So much of what's out there today in men's ministry that are those good assets that you just talked about, they don't have an outreach component. The same guys over and over, which makes us more. Uh, we emphasize more studies and products. It becomes a common. Let's let's get more information. What we're lacking today, and we desperately need evangelism today with men, we need some way of being able to invite a guy who's clueless about Christianity. But but he's got interest. All men have interest in masculinity. And if you have a relational connection, you go, maybe you work with this guy. Maybe he's in your neighborhood, like you were talking about, uh, Mike, reaching out to your neighbors. But you come up and you, have to, you start that conversation relationally which is the key to better man, and then saying we're gonna we're gonna get together and kind of explore together a subject that I bet you have a lot of interest in, and that is what does it mean to be a man in the 21st century? Let me tell you, that is the biggest evangelistic book in America today, and and the church is totally missing it. Yeah. So we need an evangelistic component to bring men to Jesus using manhood, but then also. All the guys who go through Better Man, that's the other thing that you just mentioned that I want our listeners to hear, and that is we need a, a foundation of what masculinity is that's very simple, but then from that point on, you can build on it. But when you try to build on a uh, build a man up with no foundation, it's kind of like building a building um, you know, in thin air. You need something that gives you the grounding to build this masculine adventure on. And if you don't have a definition, if you don't have the, what are the key components, then you can go through all kinds of studies on addiction and stuff, but something is always missing. That's right. And I always tell guys today, what I learned is that, that it's very difficult for men to grow as Christians if they have all kinds of masculine holes. Because that, that, that lack of, clarity about masculinity will constantly undercut their pursuit of Jesus and their spiritual life. So you need solid masculine clarity along with strong biblical clarity. You have those two meshing together, following Jesus and understanding who I am as a man. That's the kind of guy that's going to be able to stand up and uh, be a different man. For many of our listeners, um, I just want to to make sure that you understand when you 
experience better man, there is a clear invitation to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I mean, it's right there in week six, but what Robert's talking about is that you go through this whole front end of this exploring the questions that every guy has, and then all of a sudden you present the ultimate model of manhood and move from there. And, um, and, and, you know, I told you about my, my middle son is going through Better Man with some buddies of his. He's a senior in university. He's getting ready to commission into the Army. Six of the guys, I think, in the group that he's in are not believers, but they are drawn to this. They're compelled to be part of it because it's answering questions. And I, I was able to be with them a couple of weeks ago. And one young man told me, he said, I am having conversations with my own dad that this has opened up opportunities for us to talk about things that we've never been able to talk about. So it's even given me language and context to to have conversations with my dad. So huge win in that regard. Right. And that's what Better Man is intended to do, is ignite a masculine revolution at a very basic grassroots level of just fundamentals. Uh, Sunday night, I was up and I, I got invited to a Better Man group uh, of, of African-American men. And one guy invited these other guys who were non-Christians, like you said, but over the last six weeks, two of the guys have come to Christ. And, and when I was sitting in the room, we were talking and one of the, one of the men, he works with the uh, postal service. He said, I've been wanting to talk about this stuff in a whole life. Wow. Cause I didn't have a clue. I grew up without a dad. And this just connects so many dots. And I go, what we need to wake up with, wake up today and see is we're living in a, in a culture where almost 50% of the men who are now in adulthood grew up without even a dad on the premises. And then you've got half of the other half who grew up with dad at home, but he wasn't present. And what that leaves is this huge vacuum in a majority of young men's lives today who are right now in America wandering around trying to make up a manhood for themselves. The Barna study told us that uh, loneliness is epidemic. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're involved in all kinds of bad habits trying to fill that void. And we're sitting here and we can sit down with that group. You and I can find six of those guys right now, be session one and the the thing would explode because the guys are going, I don't want to talk about this stuff. And I want to share my life. And Better Man sets it up where right at the very beginning, you have a special evening where guys all tell their life story. You can hardly shut them up because they're volcanoes wanting to erupt and wanting to get this stuff out and make sense of it. And the thing I'm so excited about is Better Man serves that outreach purpose. It's kind of like the when I grew up in college, we had the four spiritual laws. It was a very simple way of introducing the gospel. I think better man is the four spiritual laws of masculinity. Wow. And uh, the four spiritual laws helped a lot of folks find their way to Jesus. So that's, uh, that's, 
<laughs> That's pretty amazing. Well, listen, you've mentioned the Barna study several times. And uh, guys, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And um, I'll find a way for Kristen to maybe give away 10 or 12 copies of this to pastors who would like to have it if you like our podcast and share it or something like that. But Robert, tell us about this Barna research. I've, I've got the booklet here in front of me, Five Essentials to Engage Today's Men. Lots of information there to help local leaders, pastors understand what's going on in this culture, but give us your perspective on what you learned in partnering with Barna on this study of manhood. Well, we we employed Barna uh, because we wanted informing, putting the Better Man uh, curriculum together, we wanted it to be customized to where the culture was. So to un- understand where the culture was, we needed a great research group like Barna to do the work for us. So uh, they did a almost a four-month national research on men, especially targeting men under 40, to find out where are 21st century men and what would best connect with them. And then after it was done, uh, we published that, but we also aligned uh, where we were with Better Man uh, in our strategy to that research. So I'll just mention a few things real quickly. I mean, we could talk hours on this stuff, but let me just highlight maybe five quick things. One one that the research pointed out um, right on the front end was the huge dad advantage that men growing up who had a dad on the premises and present at home, what that did to later life. Because men who had a positive relationship with their fathers growing up, when they get into adulthood, they're not fighting internal demons as much as other men, and they tend to have a much greater satisfaction in their marriages, in their parenting, and with other relationships with men. Their mental health is more stable, whereas men who grew up with a dad vacuum, uh, they struggle more, and in order to find that same stability, they're going to have to do some work with other men to find healing in some ways. And that's why relationships with other men become so important because they can find that, but they've got to make up that dad deficit. And that just stood out in the Barna research that uh, if you have a heart connection with dad growing up, it's going to be a powerful predictor of your positive mental health and your overall satisfaction with life later on. If you didn't have that, you got work to do. That was one thing that just jumped out, the dad advantage. Second thing was that, that was, uh, came off the page was how young men, and I'm talking about men under 40, identify themselves today. And it's really fairly shallow. It's kind of shocking. Uh, but young men said the two things that, that they would say is at the core of their identity is going to be hobbies and financial status. And that kind of takes your breath away. Basically, what it's saying is the pursuit of fun and money is how young men define their identity. Uh, Barna said most young men today feel the purpose of life is just feeling good about yourself. And, of course, when you see so many young men wasting their lives on video games, it makes sense because they're looking for some thrill that they're not able to get outside those two things. So, what it shows is just the, the fact that a generation ago, if you asked young men, and we did, uh, young men would say it's faith, a relationship with a woman, 
And those things are in these other men's lives, but they're not at the core of how these men define themselves. So I just think it just shows a huge need to get next to a large number of men today and talk about life because men living by those shallow identities, listen, they're not, they're not doing well now, but they're going to do worse as they get older because those things do not deliver. The third thing we learned is on relationships. Uh, when it comes to relationships, we found that loneliness is epidemic among young men today. Even Christian young men report, over half of Christian young men report that they struggle with feelings of loneliness or feeling overwhelmed with life. That's kind of the bad news. But now the good news is if a young man has a confidant, just even one, that they can meet with on some regular basis and share life with, listen to this. Barna found that if you have just one confidant, you are three times as a man more satisfied with your life than men that don't have that confidant. So what that just shouts to the church is the importance of getting men together to share life together because overall life satisfaction uh, tends to go way up when you have men that you can talk out life with. And yet with young men lost behind a screen, they, they are connected to everybody, but not connected to anybody at the same time. And that, that breeds a despair of the soul. So it's just a huge invitation to the church to go, let's bring men together. And it's also a huge invitation to reach out into the community and offer things that non-Christian men would want to get with other men and talk about, which, as I've already shared, I think manhood is at the top of the list. I really do. Another thing we learned is around faith and belief between older and younger Christian men. I mean, older and younger Christian men, um, they, they have a similar faith in Jesus, a commitment to salvation and those kind of things. But when it comes to practical issues, especially social issues and sexual issues, there's a huge break between older and younger men. Older men hold a traditional uh, uh, moralities on premarital sex, pornography, gender, uh, those kind of things where younger men under 40 clearly go a different direction. In fact, only 37% of, of Christian young men under 35 believe sex before marriage is even wrong. And that's why pastors find over and over again all these couples coming in, maybe for premarital counseling or maybe to sit down and talk about the ceremony, and they've been living together for a long time. That's, that's epidemic among Christian young men. Pornography, of course, Mike, you know this is, is epidemic among young men as filling a, a vacuum of intimacy that they don't know how to deal with. Uh, so we're, we're in a time where on social issues like abortion, a lot of young men think abortion's fine because they hadn't really thought about it. But on the social and sexual side of life, older men and younger men believe differently. And the only way that that's going to find some kind of unity is by older and younger men getting together and talking through these issues in greater depth, which is not really happening today. And then the last thing is with the church uh, and men, um, Marna found that very few church, churches today have robust men's ministries. Of course, you and I have been working on that for most of our lives. Uh, there are just not many 
men's ministries within churches. So a lot of it takes place outside of churches with a a layman or an independent parachurch ministry having some kind of study that a few men will get together and do together. Uh, But here's what the good news is about getting together is men who get involved in any type of men's ministry, okay, or men's gathering. It might be, as you see sometimes, just a group of men who decided to get together for coffee once a week and sit down and they just talk about life. Or it could be a church that has some formal, seasonal men's study, pastor speaks to men, or there might even be a men's ministry in the church. At any of those levels where men are meeting with men, it is amazing that how the overall sense of life satisfaction goes way up. Men get encouraged and built up just by being together. So the thing that the Barna research shouted to the church is, if you're not doing some kind of men's ministry or men's gathering, you're 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 missing a lot, and it's and it's and it's creating an even greater dysfunction in men today. So. All of that kind of set the deck for us at Better Man to do an outreach, to get older men recruiting younger men, to do foundational uh, kind of basics in masculinity, but with a real strong emphasis on creating mentoring interaction, because all of that allows men to connect with one another. And in the process, it does two major things, which was our goal, put together the curriculum, it brings some of those men who aren't Christians to Christ, but it gives all of those men an opportunity to embrace a biblical perspective of masculinity and a biblical uh, framework of masculinity that they can give their lives to in this very confusing. That's a lot, but what you know, I can just distill it down by saying the church has tremendous opportunity, but a lot of work to do to take advantage of that opportunity. Is is that fair? I mean, we're we're in the best position to respond to these issues. There's there's no organization better positioned than the Church of Jesus Christ. But if we don't step into that, then we're going to lose the opportunity. Well, we're not going to just lose the opportunity for us. We're going to lose the culture. It's like that that the young black man told me the other night, he, he leaned forward as we were, were talking about uh, masculinity. He said, he said this and he said it with passion. He said, why hasn't somebody told me this before? Now in the, in, in the best circumstance, dad would have shared some of that. And if dad didn't, the church would have shared some of that, but neither happened. And so he's living in this void And so we have this huge opportunity to step in and begin to do just basic education of masculinity, while at the same time being able to serve up Jesus as the answer to it all. And I go, what better, what better uh, deck can you set than that? And yet we're missing it as the church. And I just keep wanting to plead with pastors as a pastor have some kind of men's ministry. Better man, we're creating a, a strategy that 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 we'll be releasing here pretty soon that that uses better man as one component of it, but it also sets an overall strategy where you can use all kinds of other materials, but you can run a robust men's ministry at your church without staff or anything. Just getting a few people who would say, 
I'll commit to help lead that. That's what we need today. We ought to unleash men on men in our communities. And if we don't do it, men are going to continue to decline into a self-serving, unfulfilling lifestyle that's just going to breed the problems we're already seeing today. Well, Robert, in the in our pre-recording banter, I, I mentioned an article that I have I just read this morning. It's from uh, Rainer's Church Answers website, and it's called The Big Baby Boomer Opportunity for the Church. And so there may be pastors listening right now, because we've got a number of pastors who listen to this podcast routinely, who are saying, I don't know where this force is to, to unleash, to launch this. I don't know where the people are. Well, guys, I'm going to link to this article, and and one of the things it says, I want to read a sentence here, and they are retiring now, talking about baby boomers. As noted earlier, 10,000 baby boomers retire every day. If you're a pastor, then you must have a strategy for utilizing this generation. I believe it's a goldmine of gospel energy. So there are probably some very gifted, very capable, very available godly men who are part of your church, that if you would come alongside them and help them understand a process and a strategy and give them some vision for investing in younger men, um, that's that's like throwing a match in some gasoline. That has the potential to explode as those guys get that vision and go after young men. What, what are your thoughts on that, Robert? Oh, I, I, I've been saying that, as you know, I've been saying that for years. We have created a whole new generation of older people who are healthy and active and don't know what to do. And the church has never had that kind of generation. They've had older people who are kind of finishing up life, but they weren't very active. But we have activists who are going to find, they're trying to find things to do. Right. And they're right there in your church. And a lot of them are leaders and could lead ministries. Uh, so a few years ago when we started Better Man, we we did a couple of uh, what I call uh, pilot groups. And what we did is I went to my friends, because I'm older, and I, I asked them to meet with me. And I said, okay, guys, here's what I, I want to propose. I want to propose us reaching young men and you reaching at least six young men to sit at your table that you can just share life with for 11 weeks during Better Man. And I showed them what Better Man was and they were okay about that. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the materials in advance so you're not caught off guard. But I know your biggest question is, how do I reach six young men? I don't know any young men. So we gave them a strategy of how to use young men they knew to reach young men they didn't know, and as well as talking to young men at their office or in their neighborhood around just manhood and say, we're going to do a manhood exploration, and I would love for you to join me in this. And these guys were looking at me in the room, and they go, I could do that. I could just do an invitation. I've got a son who's 35 years old. He's got other friends. I could ask his friends to join me, even ask my son to join me. So these guys left with a way to invite younger men, knowing that they were coming to something that's going to discuss manhood, they didn't have to do the teaching, but they did have to help lead just the facilitating of the discussion. And for these guys, that made perfect sense. 
So they went and actually told some of their friends, older friends, that they were doing it. And these guys wanted to get on board. And we did a better man. We had to do a large group because we were shooting to have a couple hundred men. Mike, we ended up with 550 guys led by older men, two older men sitting at round tables with six younger men. And that told me right there, these guys can get after it and, and be excited about doing it. If you just give them some material they feel confident in and a strategy to invite younger men to be a part of their life and everybody benefits. Older men love being with the younger guys and the young guys love being with the, the older men. And that's what's needed today. But the church, again, needs a strategy to employ what I call these activists. And if it doesn't, then these activists are either going to go out and spend their time vacationing or recreating, which are not bad things in themselves, but, but they're going to feel a lack of fulfillment in their own life because they're not doing anything transcendent and spiritual and eternal when they've got opportunities to do that, if the church would just figure out ways to give them ways to connect in ministry. Hey, guys, I my, my head just circulates with thought, thoughts and ideas with this. And I, I think about all the young men who would go to the church where my wife and I serve and attend, who if something, some sort of crisis happened to them and they did not have access to their dad or a father figure because of a bunch of brokenness in the background of their lives, man, they would love to have someone to ask a few questions about buying their first house or what to do when their their wife is struggling with uh, postpartum depression, or, I, you know, who knows? You, you just fill in the blank with whatever crisis comes up, and a young man would lean into this opportunity to call an older man for some wisdom and some encouragement. And boy, when you open yourself up, guys— to the opportunity to invest in younger men in that way at a heart level, man, you're you're loving them like Jesus did, and you're pointing them to the cross. You're helping them lead their families well, and that's a huge way to multiply the kingdom. That's right, and you're going to love life more right. having that experience because you as an older man are going to experience so much more rubbing shoulders with these guys and realizing your life experience has given you ways to help these guys solve the problems of their life. And you can solve it by telling them what you did wrong as well as what you did right. But the young men love it. I mean, one of the things that the guys, the older men tell me when they got uh, challenged to, to, to help lead a table of young men is they were shocked when they went to younger men and invited them. How many of the younger men felt honored that an older man would even notice them? It wasn't a put off. It was a thank you. And we just need to unleash that kind of energy. And really, we've built the whole better man emphasis around, when I say older, over over 40, reaching into the under 40 and saying, hey, I'm going to go on this adventure of Mandy. Will you want to go with me? I'd love to have you part of the table. You know such and such, and he's going to be there. And just networking and learn how to do that and get your foot in the water to do at least a level one mentoring discipleship that maybe you've always heard about but never have done it, but you sitting around the table sharing your life 
with younger men with some biblical material, that is discipling. And you're going to see what it leads to, and you're going to be amazed. And it will. Uh, the richness of that is just incalculable. You you can't measure it in dollar bills or anything like that. It's just a richness and a depth of life that's so rewarding. Robert, you've already mentioned something, but I want to give one more shot at this. Um, so many guys I talk to say, I am not, God cannot use me because I've made so many mistakes in my life. I have bungled up things. I didn't do well with my kids. Uh, you know, I've struggled in marriage or business. And, and so guys come up with all of these reasons why they are not valuable. And I know what you're going to say, but I want you to say it so that other people can hear someone else say why they need to still be part of something like this. Well, I would say if you had a bag of that kind of mess, what I call that is wisdom. And so you unpacking some of that, honestly, with some younger men who are leaning to make the same mistake you've made, you just delivered them into a whole new fruitfulness just by hearing your story. But now it's not going to, as you know, Mike, it's not going to be an older guy sharing just all his junk. Right. He's got good things in there as well, but he'll find his junk can be turned to grace if he just offers those experiences to younger men and loves on them. And, you you know, there is no law against love, and love covers a multitude of sins. So if you love a guy and share your life, you are a difference maker. And, and when an older man takes that posture, he's not only going to uncover uh, a lot of um, younger men who will love his help, but he'll he'll establish some real um, uh, credit for the kingdom, and he'll feel that credit when he sees a younger man standing in front of him in this journey, saying, "Thank you for asking me. Thank you for sharing that. That was so helpful to me." It, it's 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 just something that's missing. And we need to provide a way for older men to access younger men around, I think, the most attractive subject in the 21st century for men, and that's how to be a man. Amen. Hey, one other thing comes to this. I, I know we could talk forever on this, and I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to land the plane eventually. But it also occurs to me that if you're one of these older guys and you're being encouraged and and led to to step into this and try to invest in some younger men, it occurs to me that you may ask some guys to join you and they say no and they they push you away. And I would just encourage you to maintain contact with that person. Run with the guys who are willing to run with you right now because there's some guys who have never been – They've never had someone who stayed the course with them, and they're going to watch you and see how you invest in some other men, and maybe next year when you come back to them or you circle around again, there's going to be a time when they recognize that you have been faithful with doing what you said, and you've invested in some other young men, and they're going to ask to be part of your circle. So um, be okay with being rejected the first time or the second time, because that doesn't mean that guy's not hungry. It may mean that he's not quite ready for what you are offering him at that moment. But don't give up on him. That's a really good word. 
Well, Robert, we could talk about this, and I imagine I'm going to have some folks that have questions, so I'm, I'm just going to invite myself to have you back on again to maybe answer some questions, to, um, to, to process this at a deeper level. I, I would say this, right now, this, we're going to push this out next week. Um, we're at the end of March, um, so I would kind of cast vision for a strategy. If you're part of a group of maybe some seasoned men who are used to just doing whatever video study comes next, um, and I had this conversation, the reason I'm bringing this up, I had this conversation with a guy yesterday or day before, um, he wants to lead his group of guys to go through Better Man with the vision that they would then take that and multiply it. And so this season right now would be a great time for you to go through Better Man and get exposed to it, get familiar with the material, with the idea that you're going to unleash it. You're going to open up the door for a September launch with some younger guys. Um, but now would be a good time for you to get exposed to Better Man and get familiar with it so that you're ready to to lead someone else through that later in the fall. Does that timeline sound reasonable and and productive, Robert, in this for where we are? It's a perfect segue to to get exposed to it, feel confident in it. But always remember what makes better men win is not the information, it's the relationships. Now, those two together, powerful combo. But, but you've got a chance to really get involved in younger men's lives and be a difference maker and experience God's pleasure in doing that. And that's what you're going to experience. So I just say, guys, take, take the challenge. Step up there and go to betterman.com. Everything is on the website. The training is on the website. All your questions are answered on the website. You can sample the speakers we've got available and choose one. Uh, but all the stuff is there to make you successful and explain everything without a lot of training. But, but where the, where the real benefit is, is you sitting in a room, these guys watching some information that'll really grab their heart and then wanting to unload that with you and make, make sense of all that. And you get a chance to help in that and change lives forever. You, you change a guy with a clear understanding of masculinity, you're going to change him forever. And if you can couple that to connecting him to Jesus in the process, man, you've really been a kingdom maker. And folks, I'll just, I'll close with this. If you change that man forever, boy, the the impact is multiplied. I I read Acts 16 this morning, the Philippian jailer converted is is the heading in my Bible. Paul and Silas were in prison. They were praying and singing hymns to the Lord. And it um, at midnight, the, the jail shook and the chains came off and the, the jailer came in and, and recognized that there was something different about these guys. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. And then later on, he was baptized at once in all his family. Then verse 34 in chapter 16 of Acts, then he brought them up to his house and set food before him. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So guys, God's not a God of addition. He's a God of multiplication. And so if you can help a man get to Jesus, to the foot of the cross, then chances are he's going to bring his family. And you may see 
not just one man, not just one family, but generations impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're willing to step into that. And uh, I got to tell you, that would probably be a lot more rewarding than fishing in the Gulf Stream or um, knocking a white ball around on a in a field. So uh, finish us up with a final thought, Robert. Well, I, I uh, had the privilege of last fall sitting in a better man group that my son was leading and I was one of the table leaders. And let me tell you, every guy in the room was a physician, a doctor, because my son's a doctor. They're very influential. These guys were hearing some things for the very first time and it was changing their life. And I remember walking out with my son, he put his arm around me. He said, dad, this is great. This is great. And let me tell you, doing ministry with your son, that's what's great. <laughs> That's what's great. But but the thing is, it's exactly what you said. It's multiplying. And then what really put the cherry on top is, is I was over at his house the other day, and we were standing in the backyard, and one of those physicians drove up in his car, got out, walked over to my son Garrett, and said, hey, you got those workbooks for me? And Garrett said, yeah, he gave him some workbooks, and he left. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, that was Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was in our group. He said, Jonathan got an older man, and he's taking all his radiology doctors at the hospital through Better Man. So it's already down line, another generation. And I go, let me tell you, the material is one thing, but seeing God build his kingdom and multiplying, and you're a part of that, and you're getting to do that with young men and your son, hey, that's that's just an inch short of heaven for me. There you go. <laughs> well, Robert, thank you so much. I just enjoy your friendship and uh, the partnership in ministry. You've been uh, so encouraging and supportive over the years. So thank you so much. Thank you for all you do. And I love, I mean, again, this is just part of the fruit of the kingdom that we get to lock arms, even from a distance and connect from time to time, but do ministry for Jesus together. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening in to episode number 51 of the Noble Man podcast. Tune in next week. We're going to hear from Claire Hoover. Claire is the executive director of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men. And we'll talk about um, other resources that are out there. But I will, I, I know Robert will want to jump in and, and remind us again that the resources are only part of the key to this whole thing resources and information plus relationship. It's the relationship that matters. And I often say that ministry happens only in the context of relationship. And so guys, work on developing a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus and uh, who's curious about manhood. And let's, uh, let's keep working to see him change their lives and the world. God bless you, men. 